Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Yeah, so um, I want to start off uh, this third part of a series we've entitled uh, Holiday Survival Guide uh, by just giving you a message from my family, from our church staff, uh, to your family, and that is Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of those times of year that it really is probably one of my most favorite seasons, most favorite holidays to celebrate. As a as I was looking back and doing some research, uh, I did not realize that, that Thanksgiving is actually the holiday that uh, takes the most travel by vehicle of any holiday uh, in the United States. And so this Thanksgiving, everyone's going to be going, going, going. They're going to be going from uh, home to grandparents' home to everywhere else in between uh, to uh, spend time loving on uh, family and friends. And uh, my prayer for you this, this week is going to be for safety uh, as well as for peace because I know that during this Thanksgiving time, it can be a stressful time. During the holidays, it can be one of the things that, that, that really can make or break you when it comes to this end of the year. As we, as we finish up the end of the year, you think it should be like uh, peaceful and relaxing and we coast through the end, but coming into this holiday, it can be, it can be pretty tough. Uh, some people have got family and friends coming over. Some people are trying to get their house clean, right? It hasn't been clean for 10 months, but now that we got family coming over, right, we're getting it clean to the way it should be. Um, we're trying to, uh, you know, get our best Joanna Gaines on and, and cook meats and cook, uh, uh, what are those things called? They're in dishes. Casserole. Oh my gosh. I love casseroles. Casseroles is like, if there was a spirit, if there's a spiritual, uh, whatever, love language, love casseroles are my love language. That, that, that's, that's something. Um, but I love Thanksgiving, man. Uh, not just for the food, right? We love all of us. Anybody here like pumpkin pie? Big pumpkin pie fan. I actually saw this at Publix. This is my ADHD kicking in. Anybody, I saw they had sweet potato pie. That's a thing. Anybody had one of those before? Never had one. So I feel like it's my duty to try it, though. I'm going give to one, give one a shot. Um, I love Thanksgiving. I love the time that we spend together. We eat. Um, we, uh, the, the, the idea of cooking meats for long. You know, I'm going to smoke a turkey this year and spend some time out by the fire. Now that we're having a little bit of cool weather, we did sunrise service this, uh, this morning, like people wearing sweaters and stuff like that. I'm like, man, there's, there's something about this season, this time of year that really, I really love. Um, it kind of just draws us all in uh, with, with one another. And I, it, it reminds me back to the many Thanksgivings I've had with my family. This year, as we've told our family that, that hey, we're staying home, we're not traveling anywhere. If you want to come come to our house, you can come hang out with us. I, I'm remembered back to the times I went, especially to, to my mom's house or when I was a kid. And we had Thanksgiving. We're all around the table, and after all this noise, all this chaos of putting it together and washing dishes and getting everything ready as, as the clanking of forks and everything like that, as people dish out casseroles, and it's, it all comes down to this, this peaceful moment for just a couple minutes in which you pray and then everyone starts taking a bite. 
And you, you'll see it even this, in this season. As soon as people start eating, it's like there's a strange hush that comes over the, the whole room. It's the calm before the storm, right? Because we know right after that it's going to be chaos, right? Somebody's going to say something about politics and they're going to start arguing or football's going on afterwards. But during that time of, of peace, my mom, Debbie, she would always ask the family a question. She would, she would say, okay, y'all, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And I remember at our home, it was one of those things that everyone rushed to take another bite real quick because you didn't want to be the first person to answer. You want to, you want to think about it for a second, and, but slowly but surely, we would go around the table and start saying the things that, that we're thankful for. Thankful for the, the home we get to grow up in. Thankful for the schools that we get to go to. Thankful for the jobs that, that we're, we're able to use to provide for our families. Thank you for the church that we get to be a part of. It would go around, and, and in that moment, it didn't mean that, like, everything was going great. It doesn't mean that, like, life was, I mean, we, we could have had a tough week before. We knew that we were headed into a tough week the next week. But in that moment, we stopped and we thought about the things that we're thankful for. And I'm realizing in this season, in this holiday, and especially in the time that we live in of, of instant gratification and, and, and of, uh, and I don't say this to try to, to, to make you feel better or anything, but like uh, we live in a world where, where greed is a very real thing. As, as we become consumers, the idea of being thankful and, and the, the attitude of, of having gratitude becomes weaker and weaker and, and slowly slips away. I, I don't think that's, the intent that God wants for us as his sons and daughters, though. I think that, that being thankful, having, having gratitude is, is a big deal. It's, it can be a very helpful tool for us in life. It can be this thing that can help heal us and can help adjust us and can even affect the world around us if we will exercise it. The idea of being thankful in the moment can be incredibly powerful in our lives. The book of Psalms, chapter 106, says this. It says, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. This year, um, as we sit around the table and we think about what's happening in other parts of the world, of the war that's happening in Israel right now. And uh, as we saw in the news just weeks ago where families in Hawaii had their entire homes burned and now they're, they're trying to find places to, to put the pieces back together. I wonder if we might just take a second and, and think to the things that, that we should be thankful for. I realize that this holiday is... is is specifically built on the idea of God's provision. In the midst of, uh, of, of opposition, in the midst of the odds not working for us, this holiday, which starts like 400 years ago, back in uh, 1621, it happened from a, a, a position of being thankful to God for what he had done. 
I did some research this past week, and as I was studying the the, this, the beginning of this holiday, this idea of these pilgrims coming to this land uh, away from their home, having to travel this great distance across the sea and, and to start planning food and preparing and getting ready for, for uh, the hardship that was to come. When it came to this day of harvest, they stopped and one of the first things they did was to, to thank God for what he had done. Now, it hadn't been easy along the way. There had been, it definitely been a tough journey. There's opposition. There was a new land. They didn't know uh, how to farm correctly. There was things along the way that they had to learn. But they stopped and they were thankful. The Apostle Paul, I think he, he does a good job of trying to adjust the church a little bit with this, this idea of, of, of being thankful. In uh, the book of Philippians chapter 4, through six, he writes this letter and it says this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. I feel like I've read this verse a thousand times. I've preached on it at, at least a hundred times. And many times I, I skip over that part of, of, of taking time to thank God in the midst of prayer. As we, as we connect with him to, to stop and look back and see all that he's done along the way. Eric and I, um, there's times where we get to a point and, and where, whether it's church or life or, or whatever, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult. And it's one of those things where we really have to, to dig deep into our faith and, 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 and understand God's put us here for a purpose. And one of the things that always like charges our faith is we'll stop and we'll start talking about all that God's done. We'll talk about, hey, you remember when we we started Coastline Church out of a out of a used lawn trailer? Re- remember when we when we thought about stealing carts from Home Depot because we didn't have carts to put our church stuff in? That's how, that's how, you know, you're part of a little church that's got a little bit of rebellion in them. We're trying, we're working on it. Okay, we're not perfect. If you need a perfect church, I'll give you about three other ones that are good. But we're, we're working on ourselves still. We'll look back and we'll remember, like, remember when we were in the, the little cafeteria in the elementary school and there was boogers underneath the chairs and stuff like that? Dried mac and cheese. Remember when we saw the rat going down the, that, I'm telling you, it's some, some tough stuff. But you can look back on it. And it makes you so incredibly thankful for what God has done now. Remember the day when we were counting out quarters to go to 7-Eleven to buy contact solution. I'm, th- I'm thankful for how God's provided along the way. It's good sometimes to stop and to look back and be thankful to where God's brought you now. Book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 16, says, as we follow Christ, this is, this is an attitude that we should have. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms of praise and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. He's talking about how you do church together to encourage to build each other up, 
to remember back and be thankful for all that he continues to do, all that he's done. Verse 17 says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. There's only one question I'm going to leave you with today. I've started it in the beginning of this message. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to tell you at the end too. But the question is, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Our, our culture is not one that celebrates gratitude or thankfulness. It's kind of all about me, all about what I want. It's about consuming, getting the things that we need. Even as we look through, how many of you guys have been getting the, uh, the Black Friday deals uh, um, on your, in the, the mail, that's what it's called, the mail, that's the word I was missing. You guys, you guys been seeing them, right? You got all the, all my kids definitely have. Black Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday. You might see your pastor at seven o'clock at Home Depot. I'm gonna tell you right now, Home Depot Black Friday deals, that's about the only thing I get excited about. But it's easy to get wrapped up in culture and, and the idea of just being a consumer. And, but clearly here it says that we're supposed to have a heart of thankfulness and of gratitude. And I think it's something that we need to express more. I think it's something that we need to, to exercise in our everyday walk. Jesus uh, talks about in, a, in one of the stories we're gonna read in a second, that this, this idea of where our culture is now is not uncommon. That's easy for us to, to roll this all together and forget about the things we should be thankful for, to just accept and continue to push on to what's next. In the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11, we pick up a time in which Jesus and the disciples are, are on a journey, and he does this miraculous thing to this group of people. Uh, Luke 17, verse 11, it says, As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and as he entered the village there, there were ten men with leprosy who stood there at a distance. They were crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, they understood what Jesus had been doing all along the way. And as leprosy was this unclean disease in which you could not have contact with anyone, uh, anyone in your family, anyone in your community, you were outcast. They came to him with hope that something might change. Have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were, they were healed. In verse 15, it says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. The author here, Luke, he, he communicates who this man was. This man was a Samaritan. Now the reason why this is important for you to know is, is because when it came to the, the Hebrew people, Hebrews and Samaritans did not mingle with one another. They were not on the same side. There would have been a very clear separation in their cultures. Much like what we see in the, in the, the separation that's happening in the Middle East now, there would have been very similar thoughts and processes. But here we see, Jesus says, the Samaritan 
We see the Samaritan, the one that would have not wanted to talk to Jesus. He didn't, he didn't care about what his culture said. He didn't care about what he had learned. He went against the grain, and it says they comes to Jesus and thanks him for what he has done. Verse 17, Jesus asks, he says, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. It's a reminder to me, one, that the love of Jesus is for everyone. No matter their, their, their creed or their, their skin color or their political affiliation, Jesus still wants to have a time to connect with them. But secondly, in the midst of the Hebrew culture, people knowing and understanding that he came and healed them, the guy that was wrapped up in that culture changed and said, thank God. I want to challenge you to go against the grain this, not, not even just this week. It's easy for us to be thankful in this weekend. There's going to be a time and maybe you sit at the table with your family and, and maybe the mom or the dad stops everyone and says, what are you thankful for? I want to challenge you to do it, but also to go beyond that for next week and the week beyond. To not lose track of where you've come from. To be thankful and grateful all along the way. I'm reminded that as Jesus uh, finished his, came to the end of his life, in his final hours, one of the things that he did was get his disciples together in this upper room and exercise this idea of being thankful. It says in the book of Luke that uh, he got the disciples together in this upper room and they were to celebrate pass, the Passover feast together. That's one of the last evenings that they would spend together. It says that he got them all together and he washed their feet. And at some point in the night, they shared in the Passover feast with one another. It says they broke bread and they shared wine. That Passover feast that they did together, that was, and, and, and to not dumb it down or take away any type of holiness away from it, would have been somewhat similar to a, a type of thanksgiving. It would have been this, this time in which they got together and they remembered what God had done to pull them out of Egypt. They were, they were slaves in Egypt building what the Egyptians wanted them to build. And at some point, God sends Moses to come and liberate them. And as they shared in the Passover feast, it was a reminder of what God had done and what God had pulled them out of. It was a time of being thankful to him for where they came from and where they were going next. Luke says this in chapter 22, verse 19. It says that Jesus took some, took some bread, he gave thanks for it, and he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine. 
And he said, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. In the last hours of Jesus' life, as he gets with his disciples, as he breaks his bread, he exercise, exercises this idea of gratitude and being thankful as an example to them. And I want to challenge us to do the same thing this morning. Down here in the front, uh, as the band comes up, we have uh, crosses on either side of the room. In front of the crosses is a little black table, and it has some bread on it, and it has some uh, grape juice on it. And um, as we sing this last song, I want to invite you to come down uh, and take communion. Maybe, maybe you do it with your family. Maybe you do it by yourself. Maybe you spend some time during this song, and you come off to the side, and you spend time in telling God what you're thankful for. But it's just as Jesus spent time with his disciples, breaking bread, being thankful, and communing with one another, I, I, I think that we should do the same thing. And so that's how I want to end service here this morning. Before we do that, I want to tell you this. If, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you want to start one, you feel like you're not connected to him and you want to be connected, I want to tell you that's, that's something that, that's, that's what Jesus wants. He wants to have a relationship with you. All that's required of you is for you surrendering and inviting him in. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, this is between you and him. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to start one, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. If you want to say it in your heart, you can if you want to say it out loud, you can. If you've said it before, you can. There's no rules with this. It's all about the posture of your spirit. So pray this prayer with me. Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. I need you as a savior. I believe that you died on the cross and doing so took on the weight of my sin and my shame. Today I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, as we come together this morning, as we are your disciples, your followers, as we are family in the kingdom, it's not about what church we go to or what logo we have on the back of our car or the shirt that we wear about who we follow. Jesus, I'm thankful that as I look back, I see how you've showed up time and time again. I'm thankful for, for the wife that you connected me to. I'm thankful for the kids that you've entrusted me with. I'm thankful for the, the beautiful people and the church that you've placed me in. I'm thankful for those that encourage and charge and challenge along the way. I'm thankful for what's ahead. In the midst of what might be tough, in the midst of what might feel like darkness, I pray that you would remind me to look back and be thankful for how you've showed up 
how you will show up and for how you're showing up now. We take this communion this morning in remembrance of you, your body that was broken, your blood that was spilt. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.